Welcome to Almost Famous Minute, where we're discussing the 2000 Cameron Crowe film Almost Famous, one minute at a time. I'm Eric Nash from Feels Like Weezer. And I'm Sean German from Groundhog Minute. And I'm Dave Powell's of Groundhog Minute. Hey, Sean and Dave, how are you guys doing? Good, good. How are you doing, Eric? Happy, happy to be here. Um, and then just, I'm just, I know you're going to ask, <laughs> but, yeah. you know. First time with uh, with uh, Almost Famous. I just want to get that right off the bat before the, before the listener even knows. Never seen it. Eric invited me. He says, here's your two minutes. Tell me what you think. I said, okay, I'm in. Yep, yep. I was just, I was very uh, willing, uh, especially since Sean did indicate it at, at least, you know, some familiar. I've seen, seen it at least once or more. We'll find that out, I think, more more at the end of mm-hmm. the next episode. But but as it comes up, that's 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 fine. But, uh, yeah, a little... little uh, balance there between the two i think is good it's interesting yeah i'm interested to hear uh hear david's thoughts on uh yeah. on these minutes <laughs> i think i have some decent thoughts good thoughts don't worry mm-hmm. um so this is uh minute 42 here uh and it starts with penny closing the door and ends with sapphire telling elaine about william's respect for women it's the first time I've heard their names, and yeah. they perfectly sync up. I was like, "Yeah, these names." Yeah. Check. I never looked at IMDb. Didn't say who's. I was like, "I was like, I was like, that's um, I was like, that's uh, what's her face? Uh, Kurt Russell and uh, uh, it's uh, yeah, oh my Goldie God. Kate, Win- Kate, Kate, Kate Hudson. Hudson. Kate, Kate Hudson, Hudson, who is the the daughter, right, of mm-hmm. yep. uh, Kurt Russell and um, Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn. Gosh, wow, Goldie Hawn. I haven't heard that. I haven't talked about them in a while. Uh. Yeah. Okay. Uh. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Cause like. Yeah. She's she's like focused on the um, on the cover of of the film. So. Oh yeah. But, she, yeah. She's heavy on the marketing. That that yeah. But but then the one of the big things I've been saying throughout so far is that, you know, it, it, yeah, I do agree. There was one one uh, uh guest or, or guests even uh, a pair of guests that were indicating their thoughts that you know she should have been Kate Hudson should have been you know like for the Oscars nominated for best actress and not best supporting actress right alongside William's mother, Elaine um, Francis McDormand that we see in this minute as well. Mm-hmm. But we, I mean, there, there's, there's a bit less of Francis McDormand throughout, you know, than I'd say that's for sure. than uh, Kate Hudson's character, Penny Lane. I'm that's for curious. Sure. Do you think that, they do you think they put Frances McDormand in here not just because she's a good actress, but because she's such a good actress, she kind of does generate Oscar buzz. You know, it's kind of like putting um, I'm trying to think who else what an actor. I think if you put like Tom Hanks in a drama role, you know, someone's already like, oh, are they are they going for you know, it's Tom Hanks going for an Oscar this year, or you know, it's or um Meryl Streep or something, or like um, well, who else would be perfect for like. Um, like, you know, you get that vibe immediately. You're like, are you, you should put this in an Oscar tent, aren't you? Like, that's like the vibe you get when you like, you see some of these actors where you're mm-hmm. like, they didn't need to be in this movie. I'm glad they're here, but it, it gives me this vibe. Like they're like, no, our movie is, 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 is good enough to show up at Oscar season. Yeah. And, 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 you know, one thing is, is that, you know, I mean, this is, this is, this is somewhat autobiographical for Cameron Crowe and choosing Francis McDormand had to play his mother who was there on set. She was, his mother was on set. <laughs> so, and at some point, like he, he, he was kind of not wanting them to meet, but at some point they certainly did. And, and I, you know, it seemed like his mother gave her blessing or was, was pretty happy with, 
with what she'd been seeing and 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 getting to getting to meet Francis. And and Francis McDormand was coming off of the great uh, Fargo. You know, yeah, she's definitely she's definitely yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure like the 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 top you know one of the most famous people in this movie at the time of its release you know um anymore i mean phil seymour hoffman had his moments prior to this as well but he got he went on i think a lot more heavily to get a lot more laud lauded you know now now you're saying so you're saying autobiographical so so you're saying the 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 kid here the who's like who's like kind of writing about them yeah this is william william this is this movie is autobiographical to um like really like like there was a real William? okay camera Cur- okay yeah so he all right so i guess i guess i'm curious like there was a real band that he was following then you're telling me like this is a fictional version of of a real band right yeah it, it's well it, it's multiple real bands you know oh. kind of little bits and pieces you know a certain you know band member from this band or certain stories from this other band you know kind of all kind of uh, put together to, to, to be created uh, this this one fictional band with music you know created by you know uh, I think a little bit with, with of Cameron's um, but definitely his wife at the time uh, uh, um, yes. Nancy Wilson um, from Heart and uh, and then also even Peter Frampton. No, I was just going to say because it's good to have those three bands stories kind of melded into here no one band's gonna like get upset yeah. and say like mm-hmm. there's slander or anything because it's just kind of like you know it's it's just enough pieced out where you can have now the fictionalized version of this front man and this drummer yelling and it's not based on anyone really specific but it could be like a what if and a what if so it, it, it protects you a little bit on artistic integrity yeah but bands are gonna see themselves i think a lot of the oh, a lot of the things that happen on the road are are common and we had talked about it previous to uh groundhog minute when i did spinal tap minute with heidi bennett and, and certainly in the course of that movie that's yeah. some of those things are based on reality and some of those things were completely made up and then even the things that they made up you had bands coming in and or some things became true between <laughs> when they originally filmed like the the issue they had with stonehenge where it came out and it's this little tiny Stonehenge that's endangered of getting trod on by dwarves. Mm. Um, when they did that, that was kind of a new invention just for the film. And then between filming and and through the editing process, when it actually released in that in-between time, uh, Black Sabbath went on tour and they had the opposite problem. They had a Stonehenge set that one of the venues, the set was too big and it wouldn't fit on stage. And, and reportedly, Ozzy Osbourne was furious when the film came out. Thought they were making fun of him, but it was like, well, no, we, they filmed that. You, you know, it, it was filmed. It, it, it spent a very long time in editing. Like that was filmed two years ago, oh, wow. way before your Stonehenge thing even happened. So I'm sure. Um, I I don't know reports of of any bands that have come out and, and complained about this film, almost famous. But I'm sure, even if it's not, even things that aren't based on specific things that bands would be like, yeah, that, you know, that the, the same thing happened to us at some point. Oh, okay. Oh, that, so, all right. So unlike you two guys, I don't know too much about uh, uh, band based and music based movies, hmm. like outside of like a concert that was filmed as a movie. I really, mm-hmm. I don't watch a lot of these, but you know, you've got me thinking when you mentioned, you know, you have a, uh, almost famous and you also have, um, you have spinal tap. When's the last time they've done a fictionalized 
band movie because i feel now the vibe is we want to do a biopic about a band whether the bandmates are dead whether like they haven't done anything in a while it's like it's kind of like they're like we want to kind of like you know take the license that we can and then we can make a movie about the band getting back getting together being built then we can like act two there's a fallout and then they get they get hurt and then they get back together and then this and that and then maybe there's an epilogue where it's like and where's the band now you know whoever's still alive i feel like that's what i see nowadays mm-hmm. oh yeah whether like because i mean gosh last year there was so much talk about the queen biopic and then like you know everyone got really hung up about the editing which i thought was bad i was like just as a movie mm-hmm. this editing is very weird and I was like, you know, I can't, and I don't know the act. I don't know if these actors are playing these characters correctly or not. I don't know. All I know is that editing bothered me so much that I'm just like, no matter how good the acting is, whoever decided in the editing booth, yeah, cut here, cut here, cut to the art reaction. Now cut to this guy's reaction. What does that guy think of that guy's reaction? Okay, good. And there's just all these cut. And so I, I don't know if there's just certain things where like the, the band got certain input, wanted you to see them think about this or not. Whereas a fictional band, you can gel it more. You can squeeze it more. You can have a fight and no one's going to get really upset. You're like, oh, this is a fictionalized band. This is a fictionalized movie. Where it's a biopic, you're like, did they really have a falling out over that concert? And, mm-hmm. you know, what he's, or is this just like generated to have that structure where the audience goes, oh, no, will the band do another song? And you're like, well, of course they're going to do another song. Like, <laughs> you know, like this, yeah. it's it's 1979. Like the the album that we all love doesn't come out for another year in this world. So it's just like you know generating fake hype rather than having a fake band to has uh, understandable uh, storylines. All right, that's my that's my piece. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, well, I, the band for this movie isn't that. I mean, it, it's important, but it's not that critical as to who it is or what have you. It's it's you know just certain things. You know, it's good that certain things happen in a certain way. To, to give the story something a, a semblance of a plot that that certainly doesn't yeah. involve the band, but it also heavily involves it's it's William's story first and foremost, and his relationships with Penny and his mother, and even his sister too, and certainly the band itself, and and the main one main member of the band Russell that he's that we see here. Yeah, know, he's, but... he, he's getting upset at the beginning of this minute, you know, about not being able to get the interview. Russell is who who it is saying go away. <laughs> in the background at least as of as of last minute the band's kind of the MacGuffin of the film it's just something to get get william out on the road and get him to interact with um, you know see a different world interact with some different people the particulars of the band mostly don't matter but yeah i said in the in the beginning of this minute so um yeah russell had said come on up to my room and and we'll talk you know he's he's on he's trying to get an interview Mm -hmm. with this guy and then he when he knocks on the door penny's there closes the door, puts the do not disturb thing on, which he flips around, which I, I like is like, I mean, I would hate it if someone did that to me because I usually don't want to be disturbed by housekeeping when I'm in a hotel room. But And Russell here definitely doesn't want to be disturbed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially, especially by William, who's just trying to get this story, but he's afraid of a story that's going to be, <laughs> that as we find out next minute, won't make him look cool. So, okay, so then I guess what, I'm, what I was trying to figure out then putting these together was, Russell calls him up to the room, and then in between those minutes, yeah. that's when Penny shows up. It's like, hey, let's get frisky. And then Russell's like, yeah, sure, let's get frisky. I'm not going to say no to that. And then William shows up, and it's like, ah, sorry, like that was me 10 minutes ago, and here's me now, and uh, me and Penny are going to spend some adult time. 
Well, when I think it, I think that's a good point that, that, uh, really, I think it's not that he's looking forward to getting frisky, which I mean, probably sure, I'm sure he is, but he's also, that's also putting him in what he, I think he says a couple times throughout the movie here in too truthful a mood, you know, he doesn't mm-hmm. want these most innermost truths, you know, to, to, to be written in Rolling Stone. So do you think he, he then called Penny up or he like essentially said, Hey Penny, yeah, maybe we should just like hang out and like smoke and drink. And like he just kind of was like he he had he had like second thoughts about it, but he didn't want to tell yeah. William. I'm scared to tell you what I was thinking just now. Yeah, that's. I mean, that, I think that's a really good point. Based on just the first three seconds of this minute, there is like a love hate push pull. William here, Williams from uh, I don't know if it, it gets explicitly mentioned in in these two minutes, so you may not know Dave. He's here from Rolling Stone. He's not just, I mean, you look at him, he's like, oh, he's just some kid. Like maybe he's like, you know, doing an interview for like the high school paper or maybe college if he's like, you know, one of those, you know, advanced kids who's a freshman at 16 or something. But actually somehow he wrangled a job with Rolling Stone. Oh, wow. And so there's, and you didn't even know that, but you you made a lot of incitement comments because there's, in in one sense, like that's, they're hitting the big time. Like if they're they're getting a feature and potentially like, you know, cover the Rolling Stone is kind of like the hope among hopes to really make it as a band. Like if you're on the cover of Rolling Stone, you've made it. Yeah. But on the other hand, like, you know, this is rock and roll. They're rebels. They're living life on the edge where Rolling Stone is is the establishment. I mean, it's still it's the 70s. It's not the same as it is. They're not as much the establishment as they are, you know, in the 2000s. But still, like there's like this love hate that, Oh, Rolling Stone is the man and they're journalists. They're going to twist our words. But at the same time, we really want this attention. So, so yeah, so he wanted this interview. Like he wants to talk to this kid and like pour out his artistic vision so it can get pumped out to, you know, all the people that read this national magazine. But then at the same time, he is, I guess, afraid of selling out, afraid of being too honest. And, and, and so maybe he, it, maybe it's not just, I guess we don't know if Penny Lane just showed up and he's like, Oh, this is better than doing the interview. Or maybe he called her up as like a shield to say, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid of being too honest and showing too much to the journalist. So, you know, because he looks like an innocent kid, but really, Really, this is, you know, he's quote unquote the man. This is the establishment. The establishment press okay. is coming up here. And, and I need, you know, I need I need a shield to protect me from being too honest. And they arrived at this hotel on a bus together. All three of these most main characters okay. besides right, William's, so, mo- yeah. William's mother, of course. <laughs> all right. So. So. OK. All right. So. All right. So William. So. OK. So. All right. How old is William? Then? He's 15. Fifteen, and, and and virtually none of the other people really know that. I mean, Penny is the one that knows that the best, you know, and and she yeah, even, I... she even. It's a great scene that where they're where they're he's saying a, a wrong, he's lying to her, saying a wrong age, but she's saying that she's that age too, like eighteen. It starts at eighteen, and works, and he says, "I'm really 17 I'm really, you know, she says, "Me too." I'm really sixteen. Me too. And finally, he says, "I'm 15 and she doesn't say "Me too" anymore. <laughs> But okay, uh, I mean, so, I, 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 I would guess that virtually everyone else, though, would is probably assuming, oh, he's probably 17 or 18. You know, it just looks a little on the other right, side. All right. All right. All right. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Time out. Yeah. OK, so <laughs> so this is uh, I consider this kid almost prodigy level of 15 yeah. years old. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, a, a Rolling Stone, an established magazine in the 70s that, like, if you are in the rock and roll music world, like, you know that you got to read them. Well, this kid's writing for them. I, and, yeah, I thought In the, this in the was, movie, he kind, was, he kind of fools them, but I don't think that's quite as literal as to what happened in real life. <laughs> but okay. but when, when, yeah, they call, the when they call him, he, he puts on a lower voice and... <laughs> Yes, this is yeah, so it's know. just been like, yeah, phone meetings and phone yeah, interviews, been, you know, so they, they haven't seen him. If they saw him, they'd be like, no, yeah. like just the liability issues, even in yeah. the 70s, like we're so, going to send this little kid like on the road okay. with no supervision on, you know, so he's kind of snuck his but way. Then, but then they proceed with that. I mean, it's not in the movie, but but we know that mm-hmm. from real life, I know that Cameron Crowe then gets to go on a few more tours and so forth over the years okay so all right so this is all right so there's a lot more things making sense now because i was like I'll, i was like i won't ask if they'll bring it up i'll ask you brought it up so okay 15 year old cons his way to essentially be a separate contractor writer for rolling stone so he clearly doesn't have a desk job that's what i was asking so he said or not a desk job he somehow is able to get interviews yeah. gets that gets them in- yeah freelance freelances gets them to rolling stones they publish it so and then he gets a paycheck so you know now that his mom's upset it's like okay she has a right to be upset that he's way too young to be doing this but also it's like this is his job and like you know he's rather than delivering papers ma i'm helping write the papers bada bing bada boom um so you know friends mcdermott uh, uh, upset rightfully so but at the same time it's like you got to give the kids like spunk because <laughs> he's like, got moxie yeah because it's like he's he's you know what you know at, at this point let me think like uh, leonardo DiCaprio's character was probably conning the airport mm-hmm. with yeah. those fake letters heads and stuff and like you know and then you know cut to cut to uh christopher walken being like wow like you know you did a lot of bad stuff but like i'm really proud of you because you you really like you took you took charge and you like you yeah. you, you got things done so he's not doing anything illegal. Eh, gray area where it's like he shouldn't be working for a company at that age. But but he did. Yeah, he showed the like he had to hustle his way. It's not like yeah, it's not like oh his uncle uncle owns a magazine or his uncle is the publisher and kind of yeah. that's how he got the job. Like you know he showed like he's serious. Like he wants to be a journalist. He wants to be a writer and and made the effort to hustle his way into this job. Yeah, I thought it was a high school thing. I thought he was doing it so he get a job at Rolling Stone. Like he was going to use this yeah. this paper as his. Like resume, he's gonna walk in and be like, "I got an interview with this upcoming band. I think it's good enough to put in one of your magazines, mm-hmm. and I want you to consider me." So I am very impressed with this kid. Like this kid got way more. Like I was like, oh, a little puny kid," and I go, "Wow, this kid! I would have never even thought to do like do something as ballsy as this at 15." Um, so, uh, so yeah, okay. So going back to this, I think yeah. Now I think they are using uh, the bands using Penny as the quote the bad guy shield. Because yeah, he did not yeah. want to have, he was like, I ah, maybe not, maybe not, maybe I'm not ready for it yet. Um, and so, yeah, he uses pennies the shield, and then, you know, William, yeah, does the classic, like, you know, flip the tag, like, all right, well, you know, you got to talk to the maid later. If you want to talk to me, talk to the maid later. <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. So, so then, then what do you have a take on, you know, when Sapphire sits down, answers the phone, and it ends up being William's mother, but but before she, Sapphire knows that, she goes, is this Marianne with the pot? You know? Okay. Yeah, so, 
Uh, all right, so I was curious about this too because all right, Francis McDormand <laughs> has the number for the hotel, but I don't know or the motel or whatever, but I don't know if she has the number for which room because I was like, I don't think this is William's room because William wouldn't ruin be sharing it with Sapphire. <laughs> so either she just like called the office and she said like I'm looking for William's room and the guy was like uh, I don't know I think it's this or that. She calls like those two numbers and you know and Sapphire was just there to pick this phone up. That's all. So I was trying to figure out yeah. myself. I was like. Yeah, I never called a hotel room. Usually, you, if anything, you call a hotel and say like, "Hi, this is so and so. I'm looking for John Smith. You know, I think he's staying there at room something." And they go, "Okay." And either they transfer you, or they say like, "We'll leave a message with him when like you know we we you know we see him next." What I imagine is is so she knows he's with the band, and so yeah, I mean he made his his name may, is probably not on any room there's a block of rooms just under the band name hmm. and she probably talked the operator whoever you know or the front desk whoever answers the phone when you when you call a hotel and just said okay you know just go through room by room just try every room that this band has registered yeah hopefully he's in one of them yeah. and you know and, and and what we you know we don't really what we know previously about elaine is like she's the type of person that'll like browbeat, you know, the, if the person objects to say, well, no, I'm not, you know, this band with their managers and hanging us on and everything, like they've got a dozen rooms. I'm not trying each one. She would like keep calling back and browbeat the person to like, yeah, they're going to ring through every one of those dozen rooms till someone answers. And then if they don't know who William is or where he is, then she's just going to try the next room and she'll just work her way through till she finds him. But Although see, I thought, I, you know, I, I think I think there's the possibility that that Williams already given her a call once and said, yeah, you can reach me direct at this, you know, this hotel room number. You know, just tell him this room number, you know. Yeah, That's because, it. Dave, this the, <laughs> the, the OK, it's Penny Lane and Sapphire and then like two or three other girls, essentially. They're groupies slash mm-hmm. really they're called they call themselves Band-Aids. They're not groupies, um, but they are. Um, but um uh, I mean, they're, they're they're essentially like the, the the working girlfriends of this band, you know. It's like they probably have like certain steadies they're shacking up with at night. She goes, with yeah, him, they're, they're, they're definitely pair room, off. You know, some of them pair, some pair off, some of them don't. Yeah. Seemingly, they're just but, they're super fans. But but they they all call him Opie. <laughs> you know, from because he's from, so uh, Opie, like and, Opie, Andy yeah. Griffith. Yeah, yeah, yeah cause which, was, which was much more in the <laughs> in the mainstream than it is now, but, um, uh, but you know, and actually, and then the band calls him the enemy. Um, but there, he is sharing the room with the girls. <laughs> oh wow! When, when when they're not in there, I mean, like Penny Lane's okay; she's gone off to Russell's, but but the others, essentially Sapphire and the others, he's sharing, well, and and nothing is going on yet. <laughs> Yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're taking seemingly. There, there's one little clip where you're just f- zoomed in on Russell or on on, a, on a William, and and all of a sudden in his lap appears a bra. But, <laughs> you know, he's like, "What do I do with this?" Yeah. <laughs> and his head being flung in my face when I'm trying to read this, whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say like, you know, how how the how the women feel like, you know, it's like you know he's not a band member, so it's like, do they really want to like get changed in front of he's, him? He's their like, little brother. Yeah, and yeah. that's and yeah, that's like that's like weird because she's like you see strange women that kind of come in and out at night, and <laughs> he's like trying to write something up. He's trying to like get an idea, like a better title, and try to like you know try to like piece the next sentence together. 
Right. And yeah, it's like, you know, they, they come in, smell You could write this movie. It's just like, it, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because he, he's a very, like, he's a very serious young man. He's the type where it's like, you know, if I screw up, you know, if I, if I make this story, if I have, if I write the cover story for Rolling Stone, like my life is made. Yeah. But if I fail, like if this story isn't good, then no one will ever hire me again. Yeah. So yeah, oh. he's, yeah, he's literally like sitting there trying to write, you know, write out his story while, you know, while a, a rock and roll tour is happening around. Him. Yeah. I, I can clock this. Like, yeah. He's a guy who like, he, you know, he listens to the song. And the first thing he, he'll, he'll, he'll ask is something like really critical. Whereas like maybe somebody who like really likes music would ask like, something kind of flourishy about the song. I feel like he'd be somebody who get like, he'd be like, what was the emotion you were feeling when you wrote that yeah. lyric about uh-huh. the mother? You know, it'd be like, are you sure you haven't seen this yeah, movie no. before? I just, I just really good at piecing stuff together. I swear to God, like I see somebody, I get a vibe, and I go, I'm, I, I get FBI profile level of like what yeah. he like, what that character would be like in a hypothetical situation. And so, yeah, you're right. He wouldn't even like look at the women, like you know, maybe he would look at maybe Penny, maybe Sapphire here, and like you know, kind of like smile at him. But he'd be like, as soon as like his bag opens up, he's like, no, I'm in notepad mode, like. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not gonna like ask you like you know have you had you have any boyfriends at home like I'm I'm gonna ask you like what was the first like you know big thought you had when you first listened to this band and like did you you know you know some some heavy stuff so I'm gonna say this uh, uh, was it Faruka Balk is it Salk yeah Faruza Balk Faruza? Yeah, from Return to Oz <laughs> yeah shout out to uh, Return to Oz minute. Yeah. I haven't seen her entire filmography but I know she oh, they always play her as like the gothy emo. Mm. Like almost like witch character. But like if a character was a witch in a movie, it would be her, you know. And so I'm glad she just seems to just be playing like a regular young woman of the time, mm-hmm. where she's not she's not drowning in makeup. She's not, um, you know, acting super punky or anything. She's just like yeah, just a really young woman trying to trying to negotiate, trying to logistics some some weed. Um, I don't think she's going to be paranoid because I don't know. I'd be paranoid over the phone if I was negotiating. Do you have the um, uh, plants products that we were talking about? The uh, the herbicide? Because yeah. the uh, the rooms up here really needed some tending to. Like, I'd be like that. I'd be all cryptic in the 70s being like, man, they're listening in, man. The feds are right yeah. out the door. Yeah, they're, they're obviously not worried about anyone listening in. Although this is strange because of everything, Dave, that you've just said about William – and, and Eric, you see, point out that they they call him Opie. Why is Mar- Marianne with the pot asking for William? Yeah, right. Like of all the people that she that he's he's staying with the fans, so like that's why she's answering, you know, kind of his phone or the 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 phone in his room. But it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, someone calling about the pot is not going to be asking for him because, like, I. I'm trying to remember, like, if we ever see him smoking pot at any point in the movie. Like, he's not—he's not the pot guy. He's not arranging the pot deal. He's not paying for it. He's not like yeah. he has nothing to do with it. So that's definitely a slip up on uh, on Sapphire's part. There's no, there's no, there, there's very little actual drug, at least kind of you know, um, pulp fiction type of uh, of uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, fascination with with drugs in this movie. You know, right. I mean, it's it's very much in a background kind of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sure I mean, I guess they, it's there, but it's not a key. They kind of have to mention it just because, hey, this is a rock and roll band in the seventies, and like it, for a moment, I thought, well, there's maybe she, 
you know, maybe like you can't even say, well, Sapphire, like she maybe she missed whatever the other person on the phone said and she just knows it's a woman. But she responds to the yeah. question. Elaine asks, you know, can I may I speak with William? And she says, oh, he's in the bar with the band. They just got back from the, you know, so she knows whoever at, whoever's she's talking to is asking for William. I'm going to turn this, I'm going to turn it on its head. I'm going to get a little meta with it. <laughs> if like Philly MXM or, 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 or we <laughs> anywhere, anywhere we went on the next road trip, we, the next, the next meetup, and we were all staying like in a hotel, we just block roomed it all. Mm-hmm. And like, if anyone answered the, the phone call and like, I think if, uh, if the, the the phone call was asking for like Sean or me, I don't think you'd be like, oh, those guys, yeah, Sean and Dave, they organized the logistics of the weed. Like, I think there'd be other podcasts where they go, maybe. I don't want to name names. But <laughs> Sean, Sean and Dave would be high on the list of like, oh, they're calling for Sean and Dave. It must be something with like the weed logistics. They're, I got it. Calling. I got it. Where, this, where, he- who are the guys like? Hey, do you know where you can get breakfast sandwiches at this hour? Oh, Sean and Dave must have called. Yeah. <laughs> but but if it was like, <laughs> it's like, do you have the weed? I don't know, did Sean Dave call these and organize this? I don't know. Yeah, I, f- I feel that's a more cast in the furious question. Than <laughs> yeah. um, you may, I don't know if we want to bleep that out. Do we want to be calling out? By, but no, but I, I, figured, I, I figured it out. That there's a Corona shipment in. I'm like, oh, murder <laughs> yeah, John. Yeah, Corona oh, shipment. All right. We, we know who to call. You want to order a pallet of Corona? Oh my God, John, how much did you buy? Yeah. <laughs> if it's a couple cases of Paps, then that's Mash Minute. Like, then, uh... <laughs> now, now, look at this now. If you said, who are the room service? What, what looks to be two plates of eggs like over easy, they go, oh, Sean and Dave must have got that. Because that's what I was looking at here. Yeah. It's an untouched breakfast cart. Yeah. But so I, I actually, to, I think the, the, a potential explanation that clear sas, Sapphire in this blender is wh- whoever called Marianne may have told her, if you, you know, if you, if you call the room and a man answers, it's the right room. Or, you know, if you hear a male voice, even though you're calling the room of all the female super fans, there's this guy, William, he's staying with us, and he might answer the phone because, you know, we're going to be off doing our super fan stuff. We're not spending a lot of time in the room. Most likely, William's going to be the one in the room. True. Because he's just sitting there writing all day while we're having fun. True, true. Sapphire thinks, oh, Marianne is expecting William to answer the phone for us because he's in the room writing all day. So she, so Marianne is just getting things wrong and saying <laughs> the wrong name. I mean, she's, though, she's still even wrong. She could expect yeah. it. She really shouldn't really ask for him. It's, it's right. Sapphire's she's, mind. Uh, yeah. William is the like secretary who. Yeah, William phone. just became the secretary to answer then, the phone because. Oh, Marianne's here. Oh, did yeah. someone take Marianne had a call and then he just like leans out the room, say Marianne called, and then somebody who knows who Marianne is, or whoever mm-hmm. is supposed to be our dealer, would then take the phone call. Right. So yeah. So Sapphire thinks it's Marianne that's making the mistake by asking for William, and that yeah. So Sapphire is still making a mistake, but I think that potentially explains it maybe Honestly, otherwise she's local... just you know maybe she doesn't maybe she's already met up with marianne and forgot about it if you were a local she's... weed dealer in the 70s i feel like you would have your like ear to like the 
the, the the ground of like where the local rock bands are coming through and what motels they would stay at oh yeah and just yeah. be like hi i'm gary i have a trunk of weed would you like it 100 bucks bada bing bada boom i'm out you know like just no phone call just walks up and says hi my name's gary uh I know you guys are a rock band in town. I'm just the local weed supplier. It's yeah. in my, you know, like, like I'll just back it up. hundred bucks. There you go. And I will see you. Yeah. Have a good night. And then just, you know, just like in and out, really, you know, real, real quick. No, no calls. No trying to pay, pass the phone around. Right. So I figured, yeah, I think I picture Marianne is like, she's like, um, was it Damon or Damone from uh, fast times original Mont high? Hmm who was always hustling tickets like he was a scalper. So he would always know what band was coming to town, like who's on tour and try to, you know, scalp tickets where Marianne, like, so she knows what bands are coming through. She knows like the hotel that's close to the arena. That's where the bands stay or the, you know, yeah. you know where they like to stay and everything. And, you know, in you know, so she can she sets up all the deals, you know, as the bands move through. I love how she this Marianne character now has like a switchboard <laughs> and phones, and like behind her are a bunch of like greasy guys in like old denim jackets and like yeah. just big big bags of weed. And she's like, "You, you're going down to the you, you're going to the place. <laughs> you, you're going behind the high school. All right, you, you're coming to the motel." And she's just like just shipping them out back and forth all day, all night. <laughs> Mar yeah, Marianne is just like mom from Futurama. She's like running this <laughs> this this marijuana conglomerate. She's yeah. like Danny DeVito in taxi, just yelling down at him. Get in the cars yeah, and dispatch. go. Just bad, just constantly yelling and telling them to go out all hours of the night. Okay, so I now I have two questions. Is there is there an almost famous wiki? And then if there <laughs> is, like what is what does the entry for Marianne look like? And do we have to go edit it now? The, the, the subreddit, <laughs> unfortunately, is, is extremely dead even. So uh, all right. We'll have to add, you have to update it with all this the background. More likely yeah. maybe, maybe there's a Cameron Crow wiki. I haven't actually done a search that way so just email we just email Cameron crow like did you ever talk with marianne what was her logistic we just want to know like what the logistics she had of the weed shipments yeah what questions was it with a dispatch routing system was it an operator was it was it was it several contacts but uh oh this one i will say this one i did have a, a note i say i love the the foley of just the gulp is yes. a perfect yep. like answer of i have messed up <laughs> and i now have to clean this up yeah it's like, <laughs> well well i mean her eyes do a great you know a little bit of a bulging too um and you know and, and my big note was that my initial big note was that this could have been a spit take as well though you know but they, yeah. they, they went subdued they went subdued just you know bulge right. your eyes yeah. and and we'll and we'll put in a good good uh gulp awkward swallow is like i messed up swallow, spit take yeah. is like you heard crazy news like like you, you're yeah. sipping your drink you're like what happened to sarah it's like oh uh you know like sarah like you know her her gary like you know uh broke up what like that you know it's stuff like that where you're just like, i'm so, so I'm shocked by that where it's like gulp's like i made a mistake and i need a second to like yeah now nah, <laughs> i have to stall for time while my brain tries to save it so when Francis McDermott says, you know, and I want to let know, I know what's going on. So mm -hmm. what did she think was going on before she knew what was going on? Because as we, we talked about earlier, like, does she know her son was writing for Rolling Stone? Does she know that her son was contemplating going on the road? Does she know her son, like, 
collects a paycheck from a company that like is very well known in the music community. Like, what does she know, and what does she know now? I mean, I think it's 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 the classic phrase: sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Okay, so so I mean, she didn't approve of him running off with the band at, at first. Like, I I, I assume. He right and that like, well the first middle and last i don't think she approved yeah. ever okay gotcha Dumb. that's a francis mcdermott character does she yeah. approve is she francis mcdermott well no she uh, well she is but no that she doesn't approve like that's francis mcdermott is not approving your malarkey yeah and i think i mean i get the feeling that even if sapphire had not answered the phone with you know is <laughs> is this our drug dealer that elaine still would have thrown out that line of I know what's going on. Even yeah. and even if she she doesn't even if she doesn't know anything, which I don't know if she, I mean, all she knows is how Sapphire answered the phone. Like she doesn't really know that much, uh-huh. but it's you know it's the threat, it's the appearance. Because also this is, you know, the older parent, the younger child. She's playing those psychology games where it's like, oh, I know, and if you confess, you know. It'll be easier on you if you confess, oh, she, and then she, you confess, and then she's like, "Oh, I had no idea, but now I now I know, you know, I know." So you think she's fishing? She's fishing for like William, them to say something like, "Oh, well, William didn't know about the thing," and she's like, "Oh, I oh, now I know about the thing." Yeah, she's kind of like pretending she, you know, she's yeah, she's all bad cop. There's no good cop, bad cop, or I guess like the sister who we don't see, you know, early in the movie, like the sister's the good cop. The mom is all bad cop. I mean, if she was really bad cop, though, France McDermott's character here was going full bad cop. I feel like she would essentially like call the dispatch of the police, say there's a motel, and I know they're giving drugs to kids. Like she would essentially like ruin the entire evening for right. all of them. Especially yeah, to, that. yeah. To, to be fair to her, she does let him go, even though she's not happy about it. And yeah, she doesn't. Yeah, she doesn't call the cops and say. There's a rock and roll band who has kidnapped my underage son and, and yeah. forcing him to, you know, to have sex and drugs and rock and roll. Yeah, she would ruin. She would out him. She would out him to Rolling Stone. She would pretty much ruin this band right now because they would be in lockup. Like, they don't probably have a lot of the capital to probably clean their, themselves up right now because they probably don't have a lot of like agents and stuff that kind of like, smooth these things. Up yeah, the and like crossing state lines with. Yeah, now uh, there's a kid involved, so the, the feds would probably yeah. like have to check to make sure they're not like some weird. I'm sorry, yeah. this is the '70s, so like I'm sure the feds are dealing with like weird cult people, so mm-hmm. to make sure, yeah, some Just Manson four, family, yeah, crap. right, three or four years after Manson, right? Three yeah. years after Manson, you're saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, roughly. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so feds so, yeah. are very. You say there's kids and women <laughs> being pulled across state lines, and there's a guy. And, Bunch of these crazy rock and rollers. The feds would be like, "We're gonna look yeah. into that." Bunch of these long hair. So yeah, so yeah, so Elaine's strict, but she's not. She, yeah, she's not a monster. She's just a, a strict, concerned mother. And, and that's the huge thing I was saying, especially earlier in the first, you know, fifteen minutes, roughly or so, um, that you know her character. She's you know she's a she's a uh, professor at at a, at a college, at a local college there in San Diego, and she ha- has this fairly progressive liberal mindset it seems to me especially when it comes to say her students and and her teaching philosophy and all that but and then then even like what like what she cooks at home and so forth you know soy cutlets and you know uh but Mm -hmm. but then you know when it comes to protecting her children she's really about protecting her children (laughs) she's that's her little boy right yeah, she so she yeah she's liberal in, in certain theories. She's liberal with like you know what they're eating and stuff yeah. when it comes to like 
maybe their actual liberty of like outside the house. Right. She's like, no, like, like mm. <laughs> now she gets full, full mama bird yep. on that. Um, and then I, I guess I, I got, we got to give credit to Sapphire here to kind of really be like, all right, look, I know yeah. you, you're going to, you got a hard mom thing going on right now, but your son's a good guy. Like he's treating everybody. With... So it's like, I got to give Sapphire credit rather than her try to like try and cover up. She's like, you know what? I'm just going to tell you. Your son's really nice. He's a really nice guy. Like, like yeah, it's, it's nice for her to be like, you know, kind of stand up for the kid and not just being like, well, I, I didn't know. It's like, she's just like, okay, well, let me just re like, let me kind of recollect my thoughts. I'm just coming to come at you and tell you something really honest, you know, take it, leave it. But I'm going to tell you, I stand by it. I, I just love how she was kind of like phrasing it. I love this, like this, like, and it was kind of like, um, it reminded me of like, um, like Ron Burgundy when he would say something like, gonna say it I'm just gonna let you know right out there and he would he would say something complete idiotic and you go all right ron burgundy complete idiot mm-hmm. but uh i do i do love how you know she kind of helps cover for the sun and kind of mends any weird you know uh angry mom stuff and then she's like oh yeah by the way we also we also change in his room and we kind of throw yeah writing and you go what <laughs> just like bust through the roof <laughs> Yeah, no, she doesn't no, say no, that. Not only am I into pot, <laughs> Mrs. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, Miller, but I'm also yeah. we're also uh, having some <laughs> sexual fun and so forth. Maybe coming up yeah. a little bit. Um, but uh, actually, f- uh, one one other thing before we have a bigger thing, I'll get to, and we'll get to in a moment here. Uh, the when when she answers the phone, she says pronto, and I I, I got the Yahoo best answer for someone asking, <laughs> you know, why do why do some people like Italians and Spanish or what have you. I think is might be mentioned. Uh, why do they answer with pronto? You know, and I'm used to make thinking that that's kind of uh, fast, quickly, please, you know, so forth. But apparently, uh, mm-hmm. it's also uh, yeah. ready. I'm ready to listen and speak. Huh? Ready? Okay. Oh, okay. Ready? Yeah. I wasn't sure where that came from, but go ahead. Right. Pronto. I guess that's yeah. I guess she probably picked up like a you know she picked up like in a magazine or something about like how the Italians like it, and she's like, I'm going to use it now. Like that's how I see it as. She didn't know about it, and then she was like in the back. She was reading a magazine yep. that was like underneath one of the beds, and yeah. it was just like what the Italians do when they're like you know when they're at home. She's like, oh, well, I don't really think about yeah, I'm, I'm so sophisticated that yeah. I can't, I don't, I can't answer the phone the way yeah. everyone else does. I got to do it. That's yeah. when you, you you hear a five dollar word, and you're like, you want to try to use it in the conversation, use it with your friends, <laughs> and uh, all your friends are like. All right, that's out of line. What are you? What are you doing? Where, where'd you get that word from? Where'd you find that word? <laughs> Ooh, someone's been reading the dictionary. Ooh. Yeah, someone's been reading the dictionary. Um, well, we have our big, uh, what we've been doing so far throughout, I mean, almost like every other minute, probably, because there's 42 minutes total uh, for the uh, uh, director's cut un- called Untitled. Um, but this is another one similar to the one we had a, you know, a little bit ago uh, for the uh, uh, Stairway to Heaven, uh, William uh, explaining, you know, having his mother and other people to uh, listen to the song in full <laughs> in near silence, except for the music playing, of course. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and that's, that is when she had, she agrees to let him go right after that. And and that little, that little part of that scene is what makes it into the movie, into the theatrical. But um, we get this uh, really crazy. I'm not going to do what I've done with all the others besides that one, 
um, which is essentially go, you know, read the dialogue real pretty quickly. Um, in this case, I'm not going to do that. I'm gonna, definitely going to put put the link out there as I, as I gave it to Sean and Dave um, here in the previous couple days prior to recording here. But it's this, uh, it's it's uh, the radio uh, uh, interview that uh, is mentioned here this minute uh, uh, at the ver- at the very beginning, um, and then they the how Sapphire says got just got back from the radio station. Um, but it's Kyle Gass of yeah. Tenacious D. Tenacious Jack D. Black. Jack Black's the, the other guy yeah. <laughs> from Tenacious D. <laughs> the other uh, guy from Tenacious yeah. D. Uh, yeah. Playing this radio DJ that is really kind of, <laughs> you know, <laughs> essentially, the, the main thing is, is he's falling asleep on the job, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> but he's also uh, yeah. a, kind of a, an oddball as well. I, I kind of, I mean, like, yeah. I, I'm glad you showed me the scene. I'm glad I watched. I'm glad I got some interest. But I definitely would feel like, you know, radio DJs would probably take, like, like I mean, kind of a lot of disrespect to that character for radio <laughs> DJ. It's like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, uh, I, I like to say in Philly, I think MMR, I think they have some really good rock mm-hmm. uh, radio DJs. And like, I mean, look up Pierre Robert. I think he is like one of the mm-hmm. best um radio dj personalities and he's been doing it since like i don't know gosh the 70s i mean he went from san fran to philly and there's a whole story but i mean i i've seen him do interviews i was i remember at a, i was at a concert it was a blues traveler concert and he just kind of like he and his producer they kind of like walked in front of us because it was it was a big we're just like at the festival and then like he's like listening for a while and then he essentially turns on the mic and he just starts interviewing the people around him including us Mm-hmm. And he's just so like, you know, and it's just like, you go, wow, like what a great personality. Like you, you want to like, he's so, he's just so nice and caring that you want to, you want to tell him things, whatever he's asking, yeah. you want to tell him stuff. And then I see this DJ and I'm just like, I don't care if it's a late night. I don't care if you like smoking pot. I would feel it's that band that like they wasted their time because yeah. the song's playing, he's talking over it and he's talking his opinionated nonsense of like, listen to the dogs bark. I'm like, shut up, man. Let, let the listener think of their own things listening to the song stop getting mm-hmm. interrupting and then of course yeah he falls asleep while he's like asking them nothing really and then they're like okay well we're gonna have a little of a mini argument right now where we drop f-bombs and kind of like you know go at yeah, each other a few times. yeah ju- it starts off with just uh, uh russell accidentally saying shit the word shit <laughs> he goes oh you want to hit the delay on that <laughs> and then he just and like of course he's not with it at that point so that so, yeah, they decide <laughs> to have more fun with it, but also kind of get some of their frustrations with each other out too. So as a as a listener of that radio station specifically, <laughs> I I'm like very interested, like what the person if it was this supposed to be like a late night type of like oh, yeah. radio? We, yeah, well when the, the, the night circus as well, the name of the show. Okay. Oh the night circus. Yeah, because I wonder because I know yeah, just those late night DJs, like someone covering like like the two AM to six when you know, who's listening? There's like taxi drivers and and you know, long haul truckers are the only yeah. people listening or like the night watchmen and so you can kind of do whatever and But why would you want to have a band on an interview? Like I don't even know why the band would want to record that late at night, you know what I'm saying? Like I feel like they would want to record either around prime time or they want to record in the morning where it's just like, you know, when you're getting people to listen, like Hey, when do you want to have your, you know, your your podcast? Uh, well, it doesn't matter. No, podcast doesn't count. I, I, I that because <laughs> radio. that's the beauty of podcasts is that you listen to them. They're the radio episode that you listen to when you are ready to listen. Yeah. So yeah. you have to listen live, and 
like I've listened to yeah sometimes the other radios they'll play the clips from the interviews like they'll, they'll kind of like sum them up and edit them into like maybe a nice like two minute piece where like the uh-huh. whole interview might have been like 11 12 minutes oh, yeah. but they kind of sink mm-hmm. it down to like the best things that the band and the radio dj discuss get a yeah. nice two minutes yeah. and then play it later like if you missed it but nowadays you know what that happens a lot of those those great radio shows they'll turn that into a podcast and so you, if you didn't listen to it seven o'clock in the morning with that band, but you like, like oh, I was on my way to work, I missed it. You can then listen to it now. Like they'll like they'll sum it up and wrap it up and edit it as a nice podcast. So it's like to be a band and be like, we're gonna talk live at this hour. Like it's just like, all right, I hope people are listening. Yeah. Well, I feel like the the like trope is that they make you get up early, and I like like you know, m- musicians that Torov talked about this yeah. and comedians, like they have to, they get up and they do like the 6 a.m. morning show or like, you know, the Howard Stern type thing to plug the show that night. Yes. And it's always a pain for them because it's like they're they're used to being up late because the show starts at 8 or 9 o'clock that yeah. night, but they got to be up at 6 a.m. to go down to the local ra- radio station to, you know, to try to sell tickets. Yeah. Usually it's best to do yeah. it before, like, you know, like, like do the the interview that Thursday night or right. Friday night. Don't have a show those previous nights. So, like, they can, like, they could go to bed early. They wake up early. They're, they're, they're ready and going. Maybe they grab a Red Bull on the way out. And then they, like, go talk to the DJ, say, like, yeah, we're in town for this weekend. Really excited and stuff. And maybe, like, play one of the new songs, play a classic song, talk about it. And then, yeah, same thing with comedians. Like, you know. Usually, I think when they do interview comedians, they'll interview them on like a Thursday or something, yeah. where it's like their first show's Thursday night, Friday night, yeah. Saturday night. So they kind, you kind of you get you get a little taste, you get to hear what the band's like, and you, so yeah, doing it in the middle of the night, like even if they did a show already, <laughs> I doubt it. Like if they yeah. did a show, they'd just go right. They would either be partying on night and go back home. They wouldn't be like, all right, all right, thank you for coming out. All right, we've got to run over to the radio show and talk about this. Like that'd be the dumbest. <laughs> The nighttime is the right time for the bands to do rock right. and roll. Not so maybe, talk, maybe, man. maybe that's the plan here. I don't, I don't know where we are, like on the calendar in turn in relation to when they play the show. But maybe this is like, yeah, the the show's Friday night, and this is thir- they come in Thursday night, do the interview, and then they're gonna like cut it up and 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 edit it overnight, and then Friday morning they can play like it. play the two minute, you know, highlight reel in- thing theory that's good but what sucks is the fact that there's no producers on either side of the board he doesn't have a producer to help him and the band doesn't have a producer or an agent to like help them so it's just like two people kind of going well we're here uh yeah because that's weird because the so the manager or sorry the the band does have a manager wow well it looks like he's in the room yeah he he leans over and and talks into the microphone as well yeah with the accent that's noah taylor's oh i just Oh, okay. the, the guy, he kind of looks like Brett from uh, yeah. Flight of the Concords. Well, that's that's the man. Like, but why doesn't the manager step in? Like when the guy's falling asleep and everything, like the manager should be like, I don't know, take control of the interview or something like, you know, he's a producer produce. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like, you know, he should, he should be, he should be intersect interjecting himself more into, yeah, especially should... when they do the guys start going at each other on mic and it's like, okay, the DJ's asleep, but there might be some listener out there who's actually awake. Yeah, and like going, wow, these guys are <laughs> out. Like, this is yeah. some therapy level crap here. But like, yeah, I, yeah okay, so that makes more sense as a producer, because I thought he was like maybe like one of the back members, like maybe well, he's not, like the drum 
And that's the way I think he likes to be. He, he, he you know, he he's supposedly Russell's friend for, first and foremost. He came from mm-hmm. being Russell's friend and and got yeah. this gig to be their manager. And he's really more of a road manager. And as pointed later out, you know, I mean, it's you know, he's they they someone else says he's not even really doing that job very well. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, he's he's definitely I think in the mindset of that he's more a member of the band than he should be. <laughs> so yeah. therefore, he has fun too. All right, so I have more questions with the band, but I'm yeah. personally going to hold them now because I want to do it. I want to when we actually see the band more in the next minute. So I just want yeah. To- the, this guy though, he's just, he's no Ian Faith. I'll tell you that. <laughs> see, I don't know. I don't know jack about music, so I just I'm I'm glad you uh, you're here for that because I don't know. <laughs> so I thank you, Sean. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got I've got more to say on like Sapphire's little thing for Elaine yeah. and then Elaine's reaction, but I think we can we can save that for. That kind of that that she wraps up like that line gets split between the two minutes. So I'll save mm-hmm. some of that for uh, for minute forty three. Uh, so to wrap up this minute, we want to uh, ask you both. Um, I'll, I'll tell you the bands now that are best considered to make up uh, Stillwater, mm-hmm. uh, and then you can rank them least to favorite or least favorite to favorite or vice versa. Um, Almond Brothers Band, Eagles, Led Zeppelin. And Leonard Skinner. Who wants to go first? <laughs> All right, this is um, this is this is tough for me because. Okay. All right. All right. It's tough. All right. Um, like I said, I don't. I I don't know a lot about music. Mm-hmm. I think I, I hope I made that clear enough. I just want to like to the listener, don't be mad at me. So I don't know a lot of details. So, I mean. I feel bad that I was at an Almond Brothers concert with a friend in Atlantic City, and I'm like maybe half hour, and I was like, I kind of looked over at him. He was like, "You bored?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "You want to just go to the bar?" I went, "Yeah." <laughs> and then we left Ouch. and went to a bar in Atlantic City. Yeah, yeah. like he, it wasn't. I don't know if it was like he got tickets or his dad got him tickets, and he liked Almond Brothers. But I think he and I were both like, we're clearly the youngest people in this room, and like they're we- just serving beer into plastic cups. Like we should just go to a bar. And he was yeah. Like, yeah. And so, so we kind of left. When was this? Oh like, God! I want to say like what decade was it? Nineties or two thousands? No, it was two thousands. It's like maybe. I mean, like I mean, it's, it's it's in the last. I mean, I'm thirty, so it's in the, within the last like well, nine yeah, okay. years. Yeah. So yeah, I, I can kind of because at this point, yeah, the Almond Brothers. It's like, um, like it's a nostalgia act. So yeah, you're gonna go, and it's a bunch of old baby boomers that like if yeah. they get too crazy, they're gonna break a hip, and yeah, it's it was, not the scene for a young guy like you. Essentially, what it was was a giant room that they put like high school stadium seats in. Whereas I think a lot of these people just yeah. wanted like a big pit that they could just walk around loose in. Yeah. Nobody was sitting on these bleachers. We were sitting on the bleachers. And then we, we realized quickly like nobody wants to sit any higher than like the third level of the bleachers. Like, and everyone just kind of wanted to mill around and just kind of let the music flow through them. So, you know, yeah, you had a lot of like a lot of 40, 50, 60 year old people. Like yeah. just milling around and stuff, and I think the security was like trying to like <laughs> keep it all like, can you sit in your seats and this and that. It was like they, it was it was it was very disorganized. And I think that was another thing I turned it off. It was just like they're up on a stage in the middle of what felt like a school auditorium that we put that they put together in Atlantic City, and it wasn't anything. The, the walls were just black curtains. That's all mm-hmm. it was. So it feels like you're in an auditorium that got like or or uh, uh, like a like a catering venue that got like squared off. So very Which it probably weird is, yeah. So you're just like I, I and it's just yeah, it's just loose rock, 
No, just yeah. something, nothing offensive. And you're like, yeah. all right, I think I'm good. I got, I got, I got what I needed out of this. So we're all just like, let's just go to the bar, <laughs> drink a little bit, and then just, and then like, and then we just like we drove up to like my my folks' shore house. Right, yeah, so but to, I mean, to be fair, so that's a different thing. I, mean, I think Eric, you know, Eric's asking about like Almond yeah. Brothers of the early '70s versus Almond yeah. Brothers of the 21st century. I feel like this is hard. A, a, a lot of these bands, and hey, if you can, if you can play, you know, play music and get paid for it and make your living that way, like yeah. more power to you. But a lot of these bands have basically become they're like tribute bands to themselves. Mm. Mm-hmm. I was at a, a couple of years ago. I was at a work conference. And they got for the the last. It was a week long conference, and then for Thursday night they got the Beach Boys to play. And you're like, oh, the Beach Boys, like that's a name, like that's a big name in in music and rock and roll. But it's like, I think there was only one actual Beach right. Boy, and, and like everyone else is. I mean, just by age, like even if you don't know what the Beach Boys look like, you're like, oh, these guys are in their like late twenties, early thirties. Like this is basically one Beach Boy. And a backing band, and I think they were lip syncing, and like it was basically a, a tri- it was you know like Beatlemania. It was Beach Boys mania at that point. It wasn't really the Beach Boys, and yeah, I was um, the the conference was down in Florida, and I live in the Northeast, but I have a friend who's in Florida. I'm like, hey, you know, I'm I'm down for work. There's going to be a concert. Do you want to come with me? And then we're sitting there, and like, yeah, 15, 20 minutes in, we're like, all right, we kind of got our fill of the free food let's kind of get it you know this is kind of we're, we're done with this and yeah, it's a shame but um yeah so anyway, getting getting back to this question i don't know i i can see i can definitely see like the eagles um in terms of the the uh the egos that come up in in the film and i think the eagles are one of those bands that like famously um in terms of the the egos involved and the disagreements that eventually came up or you know, or, or or Leonard Skinner maybe. Um, I don't like it. I don't see Led Zeppelin at all, and and I don't claim to be an expert. And oh, you're I'm, saying I'm in, in this band in Stillwater, yeah, yeah. They they are the kind of the odd odd one out of the of well, because that's for sure. Also, they were kind of not not a, necessarily a super group, but they were more experienced. Mm-hmm. Like by the time Led Zeppelin got together, especially like, I mean, Jimmy Page had been through the Yardbirds and, and some other things. Like, I mean, he was kind of well known by the time he got pulled in to the Yardbirds. And I realized this was towards the end of the Yardbirds um, time, like after Jeff Beck and, and Eric Clapton had kind of cycled through that group. Um, so, you know, this is a bunch of young kids that you know got together and worked their way up through the local clubs and now they're kind of getting now they're headlining they're getting you know they're they're moving into fame where like you know led zeppelin by the time those guys were in they were already known um maybe you know jimmy page was i mean i i wasn't uh you know born or i was very young in the early 70s so i wasn't going to rock and roll shows or following them in the press but my understanding is that if Jimmy Page was probably the best well-known of that group. Yeah. Maybe Robert Plant right behind, but like, um, like those well, guys. That's, it's it's if, two out of the four of them. Two of them are were on the older side. Two were on the younger side. There, there's a decent age gap, kind of between between them from like late twenties to the early twenties. 
Yeah, but hadn't like the other two guys yeah. were like mm-hmm. big session musicians. Like they weren't yeah. maybe they they weren't famous on the street, but they were sure. certainly well known in like around London and like the music scene in England. Like, yeah, it was it wasn't fifteen year olds like the Beatles were essentially, roughly, or at least at least John. Yeah, Paul, say. Yeah, so or I, the Beach I, Boys. I yeah, I mean, I I, I don't see Led Zeppelin. <laughs> yeah, I don't see Led Zeppelin in this in this at all. Um, where because yeah, this is you know part of the part of it my understanding like part of what's going on with the band through the movie is you know part of it is the egos or you know with Stillwater is the egos and and you know who's the leader and who's like okay just because you're the lead singer up in front that doesn't mean it's you know we're not your backing band like Mm -hmm. we're not second class citizens just because you're the one in you know in front with the mic but I also think part of it is the, the youth and and um, I don't know if it's if it's said, but I get the feeling like this is their first headlining, you know, their national headlining tour. And so they're still trying to feel their way in of how do we deal with the fame that that's coming? And, and you know, they're, they're not as famous as they could be, but they're more famous than they've ever been. And they're feeling their way yeah. out. So maybe, yeah. a, you know, Eagles, Leonard Skinner kind of fits in there. I yeah, I don't I don't see so much Zeppelin or, or Almond Brothers, but yeah. That's just my take on it. Mm-hmm. But don't go see the the Beach sure. Boys at this point. It's you missed it, you know. And it's a, it's a shame, you know. On the it, but it's yeah, just it, it, it's they're not the same. Or even the the you know, like the Almond Brothers, which like back in the even back in the eighties, which would have been past their the heyday of the seventies. Like, um, you know, I I feel like they would have been doing good shows. But twenty first century, I feel like if you're going to see the Almond Brothers, like call it Marianne, you know, get a dime bag, throw a CD in the player at home and just, you know, turn on the lava lamp and, and yeah. do it that way. Like, just don't, don't, you know, save your money on the concert ticket. Cause it's, um, it's just the, 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 the those, the, the time is past. The days are past. Or, you know what? There's new music. There's not everything is, is, you know, Katy Perry or hip hop. Like there's rock and roll that's still happening find some younger band that you can get into and go see them play. Cause like, I don't know, 70 year old guys like rocking out on stage. Yeah. I don't know. doesn't really do it for me. At least that's just my opinion. <laughs> not, not that anyone asked. <laughs> well, what, what we're really after is personally for you, for, for both of you. I mean, your, your fondness, your, how well you like each one compared to the other. If you if you can just give us give us uh, your your ranking it doesn't from top matter to bottom from or... me that's the problem like I don't know Jack no. enough to like my I know <laughs> my opinion of this is is objectively worthless and I understand that well and it's that's like, so it's like which I don't yeah, yeah it's like, uh, you, like you, Dave you could yeah. you could do the, you could do the same thing but just do the opposite uh, order <laughs> okay. of what Crystal Beth yeah. did. She just I, I I've been naming them generally I think almost always in order alphabetical order, yeah. And she just named them right off in alphabetical order too, like oh you know because she didn't just, she had right. no take on get, it. Yeah, because I don't want to get put on a list for making so, a list that like I I I I I, I, I respect the, the all these bands, but yeah, it's like I have no emotional connection to either of them. I will say, I will say of all the of of all four of these bands, um. There's one song that between all of them I really like the most, and I thought I thought the let when the levee breaks by Zeppelin, oh, yeah. that's a really cool rhythm. 
Yeah. Like, Donna, Donna. I, I think that's like I could drive to that. Like I could have that, that song on loop for 10 hours and wouldn't mind it. So I guess I gotta, you know, for that reason alone, I'll put them at the top. I guess I'll put, um, let's see, uh, was it Eagles? Uh, what did you say? It was, it was Almond Brothers and what else was the other one? Litter Skinnerd. Skinnerd. Um, I guess I gotta, I'll, I'll do, uh, Almond Brothers. I'm gonna put Skinner at the bottom mm-hmm. because I feel like, um, uh, my old man was a Neil Young fan, so I guess by that I have to not like Skinner. So I'll just do that. Okay. All right. Yeah, we're if we're money. going like, <laughs> so I'm not gonna go to that. Again. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking in terms of like yeah. bands, how you know which bands match up with with Stillwater in the movie. If we're going by personal preference, yeah, I think it's I think it's Almond Brothers, Zeppelin. Although those are close, hmm. and then there's a wide gap between number three is Skinner. And then Eagles is like, yep. can I like can I just do three? <laughs> like I'm I'm sure. you know I'm like a just yeah I'm 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 down with um with the dude on this like I just I I don't Eagles suck the man. only thing Joe, I, don't hate, I, will, I hate the Eagles Joe 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 Walsh's guitar on Hotel California yeah. like that's the only one of their songs I could stand to listen to the rest of it like. I know some people like it and I just kind of chalk it up to different strokes for different folks, but it's like nails on the chalkboard. Like, um, and I didn't understand like one thing when I was in high school, Desperado was like a huge thing. And, and okay, I'm old, but I'm not like <laughs> Eagles old. I mean, at that point it was already classic rock, but it was like the, you know, the metal heads, the goth kids, like the hip hop kids, like, Everyone loved Desperado. Like it seemed to cross like all the different. It was like the Ferris Bueller of my high school. Like you know, like everyone was into it, and I'm just off to the side going, "That's the worst song by the worst band." Like I, I like, are you? Is this? Are you punking me? Did everyone get a memo to say we're playing a joke on Sean? Let's pretend we like Desperado. Oh my god, that song is just—it's just awful. Ugh. Yeah, Eagles, oh, a distant dead last. On ranking for me. Okay, I, it's all very understandable. <laughs> Sean may like not I be said, back for a minute forty-three. Yeah, like I said, it already had Crystal Beth on, and yeah, her her take was okay. she wouldn't even do what you did. So good on you, Dave. There. I mean, but, you uh, you ask yeah, me, I'll give you your opinion. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell yeah, you. Yeah, Eagles are definitely have uh, have been you know at the very bottom of of a few. I have nothing sure. amazing to say. Nothing bad to say. That's the best yeah. I'm going to say. I have nothing amazing to say about each band. Mm-hmm. I've never been. I've never been blown away by anything. But at the same time, I have no salt in my in my wounds from, <laughs> that Sean has with some of these bands. So that's it. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Sean, would you like to do plugging today, and we'll get Dave's tomorrow? And I mean, of course. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, anyway, but... Yeah. So if you if you like. If you like movies about bands on tour yeah. and, and movies uh, about rock and roll and, and, and you know, just the, the crazy life, uh, uh, you know, of those long hair hippie folk musicians, uh, check out uh, Spinal Tap Minute, where I covered the movie This is Spinal Tap, one minute at a time with, uh, with a great co-host, Heidi Bennett. And uh, I would send you, if, if you're on the web, go to catandshawn.org, C-A-T, and Sean S E A N, and that's I have a link to all my podcast stuff. So it uh, it links to Spinal Tap Minute. It links to uh, my guest appearances. You'll find there'll be a link to this 
as you're listening to this, if you go to that site, there'll be a link to this there and all my other guest shots and, um, and a link to some, uh, some podcasts that I've done with, with Dave that he'll tell you about tomorrow. That sounds good. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, I want to, uh, make sure I get this out there a little bit more, I think is, uh, certainly a way to reach, uh, this show is at almost famous minute at gmail.com. And of course we also have our Twitter, uh, uh at almost famous men, uh, Twitter and Instagram, both. So go to, and, yeah, uh, go, go to Twitter and tweet at us your least favorite Eagle song. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, thank you guys both, and hopefully you will you will be able to make it back for uh, uh, next week's episode, uh, Minute 43. Yeah, yeah sure. I'll, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on thank here on the so road, much. I'd say. Yeah. Um, and until then, it's all happening. It's all happening. happening. I am a golden god! Yeah! 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 And I was Queen of Hearts is always your best bet. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.